0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the MLB Pipeline podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. We are... Seven months away from the 2021 draft, but the 2021 Top 100 Draft Prospects list is now out and we will spend the majority, if not all, of uh, the next, what, hour talking about that list, the players on that list. Uh, We also will talk to both of the top two prospects on the list in Kumar Rocker and Jordan Lawler. And we'll break down the top tools on the list. And we're going to wrap things up by answering your questions in the mailbag. So, guys, you've you've been working on this for quite a while now. Um, we always put out the first uh, iteration of this list around this time in December. It is currently the top 100. We'll expand it to 150 and then 200. Who knows? We've got a little more time now with the draft move back to July. Maybe we'll make it 250. You guys feeling up for... Uh, up for some additional players on the list this year?
1: I think I think we should double it and go to 400, 400 next year. But uh, no, I mean, yeah, I was thinking about how the, cal- the the calendar is all discombobulated between COVID and things moving around next year. <laughs> I have no idea what we're going to be working on when. Like I gotten, I'd, I'd finally I think gotten accustomed after was this my seventh year now at, at MLB.com? Like I know when we do things, and that's all out the window now. Spring training, top one hundred, top thirties draft it's going to be it's going to be crazy but yeah we're going to have to figure out something to do i i can't imagine that we're just going to put out the top 200 on may 15th and say let it ride for two months so we'll, we'll have to figure out something
2: all right so first of all before we get into the list itself no you know what let's let's get into the list itself why don't we let's uh quickly take a look at the top eh, 10 players on the list And then I want you guys to talk a little bit about the draft class, overall strengths of the class, uh, what scouts are telling you. Top 10 list is, number one, Kumar Rocker, right-handed pitcher from Vanderbilt. Number two, Jordan Lawler, a shortstop out of Jesuit Prep in Texas. Number three, Matt McClain, a shortstop from UCLA. Number four, Adrian Del Castillo, a catcher from Miami. Number five, Jaden Hill, right-handed pitcher out of LSU. Number six, Jack Leiter, right-handed pitcher out of Vanderbilt. Number seven, Marcelo Mayer, shortstop out of Eastlake High School in California. Number eight, Judd Fabian, an outfielder from Florida. Number nine, Alex Benellis, a third baseman from Louisville. And number 10, Ty Madden, a right-handed pitcher from Texas. Guys, we'll talk about some of these players individually uh, in a little bit. But first, like I said, tell us a little bit about the draft class itself.
1: Well, it's interesting, you know, in terms of the strength of the draft class, you know, I look at this and I don't see an obvious one, um, to be honest. Uh, You know, there's, you know, we got Kumar Rocker and, and three college pitchers in the top six, but I don't think there's a lot of consensus on who the next college pitcher is, you know, in part because ranking the college players is so goofy right now. You know, there's some, you know, I think we've got three college hitters in the top 10, but then they drop off pretty quickly. There's not a lot of consensus on how many guys belong in the first round. I, I guess if there's a strength, I guess I would say the high school position player class. I mean, eight of our top 20 players are high school hitters. <laughs> but that said, you know, Brady House and James Wood and, and Isaac Pacheco had up and down showcase circuits. Joe Mack and Harry Ford are catchers and the high school catchers in the first round scare teams. So, uh, you know, it seems like I I guess it's a balanced draft kind of an average draft right now. Well, I think part of that is we just haven't gotten to know the college players like we normally would.
2: Jonathan, I know in the story that you have up on the site now that uh, we put up in conjunction with the new list, you talked to, one scouting director who said if he was going to go by quadrants, he would go high school position players. Uh, He said they're above average to good college arms, probably in the above average to good range college bats. He says that's the toughest one to assess right now. It's probably an average college bat class. And
0: I think high school arms are a little bit down. Yeah. It was very kind of him to break it down uh, like that uh, for us for, for that story. And I think, you know, and, and there is an admission, uh, you know, from talking to people, that some of it is a familiarity bias because the high school players are the ones that have been seen the most. So, so maybe that means that the high school pitching class is, in fact, down, and there are not a lot of names at the at the very top. You know, even if we know when we rank some of the high school arms high, that they tend not to go as high, but there aren't that many of them. The high school bats were seen a lot. You know, the, the showcase circuit more or less happened as it usually does. They had all of the main events uh, while the, the college players were barely seen. You know, there were a couple of smaller college leagues that some guys did go to, like the Florida Collegiate League. Um, but by and large, you know, without Team USA and without the Cape Cod League, you just didn't see those guys. Uh, so it, it it makes it harder. And everyone wants the college bats. Uh, You know, I think that's the sort of safest quadrant to pick from, if it makes sense. Uh, You know, we kind of if you look at at our list, uh, we have, you know, four college bats in in the top 10. Uh, But there are some, you know, there there are questions about almost all of them. You know, the top college bat is Matt McLean, and he's a five foot nine middle infielder who, you know, may not be able to play shortstop. So now he's a second baseman. Adrian Del Castillo, really good hitter at Miami, but can he stick behind the plate? Judd Fabian, questions about the swing and miss. Alex Benalis, will he stick at third? I mean, the, the, there are no those, none of those right as of right now. Slam dunk college bats, where y- you feel really confident about taking them, you know, that high. I think the spring will answer some of those questions. I think some of the uh, second tier college bats uh, will move up, you know, if they go out and perform. Uh, because that's going to matter a lot but as of right now uh, there it's really hard to figure out <clears throat> what to do with those guys because they haven't really been seen in any real capacity since their you know freshman year of college and, and even in the shortened season last year it's not like the scouting industry is is focusing in on them because they're trying to look at the the current draft class that was taken last to, you know in last year's draft All right, so that's a breakdown of the draft class
2: in general and by quadrants. Guys, in order to take a look at some of the specific players at the top of the list here, why don't you break down the top player in each of those quadrants, college pitcher, high school pitcher, college position player, and
0: high school position player. Uh, Jonathan, you want to go first? Sure, and it it works out kind of uh, nicely because – Jim and I each have the top player in two of the quadrants. So I will start with top college position player, and that's Matt McClain. Uh, people may remember him because in 2018, he was a first-round pick of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Didn't sign, went on to UCLA, um, You know, uh, struggled a lot during his freshman year, was good in the Cape, started off well in the shorten in the shortened sophomore season uh, and is now as I said uh, number three overall on our list he can really really hit uh, and that's uh, th- that's the the main thing he's gotten stronger uh, even though he he's only you know he's listed at 510 um, that may be being a little bit generous uh, but uh, it makes a ton of contact there's more pop than you would think um, He runs well. Uh, He has a strong arm. I think the the key thing for him is that he's going to play shortstop this coming spring, assuming there is a spring, which he hasn't really done uh, at UCLA. Uh, So I think if he shows that he can play short in this fall, he looked pretty good there, showed that he had enough arm, uh, certainly moves well enough. He has the hands. Uh, If you think he's a shortstop, then – You know, he probably belongs, you know, in the the very top of the draft conversation. If you think he's a second baseman, I don't think he falls that far. Um, But he becomes more of a Nick Gonzalez type of of player, the Pirates first round pick. Um, So that's college position player. Jim, you want to do you want to do college pitching? We can go back and forth. Sure, we can do that. And and
1: Jonathan, I have to chastise you. you. You've done a terrible job with college pitching this year. The nine best college pitchers all appear in my half for my yes, half of the I, country. I did not develop so you, well. You need to step up your production of college pitchers or something. I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, you know, number one on our list is Kumar Rocker. You know, big, big shock to everybody. I think he's by far the most famous player in this year's draft. Vanderbilt righty. Um, you know, was a potential first round pick coming out of high school three years ago very famous freshman season in which he had a 19 strikeout no-hitter against Duke in an elimination game in the Super Regionals. And then he won two games and most outstanding player recognition at the College World Series. And, you know, it's weird because every time we talk about him, I feel like I have this compulsion to at least present both sides because I think in general the casual fan thinks this is like Kumar is a slam dunk, can't miss, number one guy, you know, like a Steven Strasburg, you know, Carlos Redon was had that kind of mention going into his draft year. Mark Pryor did going into his draft year. Um, you know, Casey Mize emerged as that guy. And I don't think he's quite at that level. Now, he's, I mean, he's got a lot going for him, obviously. He's 6'5", 250, super physical, usually pitches around 93, 96 miles an hour, but he can run it up to 99 with some run and sink does get fastball does get a little flat at times his slider is i think probably the best slider in the draft it's mid 80s um it's you know power its depth all all 19 strikeouts and no hitter came off the slider it could be a, a 70 or a 75 pitcher i mean i guess you could throw an 80 on it when it's really on it's crazy um you know he's you know they, but he still has some stuff to do on his to do list in part because he didn't get a normal sophomore season last year he didn't get to pitch in the summer like he probably would have, I, I would assume, for Team USA or on the Cape. That didn't happen. But, you know, he still needs to improve his changeup. Um, you know, it's, you know it, it flashes some average potential, but he's got to use it more. It gets too firm. Um, he throws strikes, but the command could be better. Um, you know, he, he's going to have to show that on days where he doesn't have, like, his wipeout stuff, he could still go out and win. I mean, that, you know, improved by improving the command. So, I mean, I think you can look at this guy, Kumar, and see a potential number one starter, but he's not one of these guys who I think is going to get drafted and he's going to be in the big leagues, you know, half a year later. Um, you know, he, he's still, as good as he is, he, he still needs some more polish.
2: All right, so that's a look at the top college pitcher in this year's draft class. Jonathan, tell us about, The top high school pitcher in this year's class.
0: Yeah, it's as we sort of talked about. It seems that the high school pitching crop overall isn't great. Uh, I didn't make up for my lack of college pitching, but I do have the top two high school pitchers. I don't know if that you know helps offset things at all for you, Jim. But um, no, the the, no. uh, In a word, no. Uh, The Andrew Painter is is our top high school guy. We have him right at number eleven. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, like his combination of size, now stuff, projection, and feel for pitching. I, I think it's a combination you don't see all that often. Uh, he was very good at, you know, the summer showcase things he went to. Uh, you know, right now he sort of sits 93 to 95, he'll touch 96. He's got a two and four seamer. Uh, he likes to go up in the zone with the four seamer to miss bats. He has legitimately distinct breaking pitches, curve and, and slider. He even showed a plus changeup at times. He's six six, but he's really athletic, so he repeats his delivery. So he throws a ton of strikes. I think he's going to throw harder, you know, as he physically matures and fills out that frame. You know, and I always find this interesting. And this, you know, the argument about high school pitching. If he were to go on to the University of Florida you know, barring any injuries in three years, I think we would be talking about him as the number one pick in the draft. Uh, so why not now? Uh, and, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, when he comes out this spring. I, I think he's going to end up being the, you know, there's often at least one high school pitcher who sort of sneaks into that top 10. Uh, I, I I think that he is going to be the guy, uh, although, you know, you, you never know. A lot of people think he's somewhat similar to, Last year's top high school right-hander, Mick Abel, just in terms of the size and the feel for pitching. Uh, But I I think people have seen more of Painter uh, than they had of of Abel, who came from the Pacific Northwest. So we'll see what happens in the spring, but there is a lot to like. Uh, And if I were a team picking, let's say, in the 6-10 to range, I, I would be eyeing him very carefully. All right, and next up is our top high school hitter on
2: the list. But Jim, don't say too much about him because we're about to listen to an interview that you did with him.
1: That's right. That's right. Well, Jordan Lawler. I won't. Well, I won't give away all the secrets. But uh, you know, he, he's kind of an easy choice as the best high school player. Even though I, I really like Marcella Meyer a lot too from California. But you know, with 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 Lawler, you know, it, it's kind of the the inevitable comparison because he's a Dallas area high school shortstop. He's a potential five tool guy. So you get, you know, Bobby Witt jr. Mentions, which I don't think is quite fair. Um, I, I think Witt's tools are a little bit louder um, and he's just more advanced because he grew up around the game, you know, cause his dad, Bobby Witt, you know, played in the big leagues for 16 years, but Lawler should go in the same area of the draft. Witt went number two, uh, two years ago or I guess two drafts ago. Um, And, you know, Lawler is going to go around the same, same place. I, you know, I think he's a candidate legitimately for the Pirates at number one. You know, I think the thing he does better than than Witt did at the same stage is I think he's a a more polished hitter. He's got a really nice right-hand swing. He's got a a patient approach. He, you know, just kind of focuses on going gap to gap. He'll inside out balls to right field, kind of, kind of like Derek Jeter. Um, But he's six foot two. He's got projectable strength. He's got bad speed there's going to be power. Um, he's got at least plus speed that he uses well on the bases and in the field, no doubt, shortstop, very strong arm, you know, needs to get a little more consistent defensively, but I mean, he's, you know, that's what I was saying before, you know, with Kumar Rocker, there's, I think this national assumption by the casual fan that Kumar's the clear number one pick. And, you know, as we did in our, our mock draft on the podcast with me and Jonathan, you could easily make a case for taking Jordan Lawler, number one, because you just don't see a shortstop with these kind of tools come around too often.
2: You're listening to the MLB Pipeline podcast. When we return, Jim Callis chats with Jordan Lawler.
0: Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB. Jordan Lawler. What a talented young man this is. We've enjoyed getting to know him. He's out of Irving, Texas, just with college prep. Plays for the Dallas Tigers, his travel team, back and forth. And another one to the right center field gap. He goes there again twice in this game. Yeah, which I think you've seen from Lawler and his two at-bats, is the maturity as a hitter.
3: Sends this one into right center field. Wood a long run. He's not going to get there. It's all the way to the wall. Cap comes in to score, and Lawler turning on the Jets on his way to third. He's in there with an RBI triple.
1: Jim Cowles from MLB Pipeline here with Jordan Lawler, a shortstop from a Jesuit prep in Dallas. He's the top-rated high school player in next year's draft. Uh, some would say the top-rated player in the draft. Jordan, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you uh, making some time for us.
4: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: So we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, but since everybody's high school situation I think is different depending where you are in the country – what is your daily routine like? Are you in class full-time? Is it hybrid? Is it fully remote? And are you working, you know, is, is the baseball team able to do much? I know it's the off-season, but are you doing anything baseball-wise with the high school team at this point?
4: Yeah, so we started this year in hybrid mode. So I, would always, I was only at school Monday, Thursday. And that kind of carried into baseball, so we are only able to lift with our Monday, Thursday group. And so right now we're just doing lifting with baseball and then a boot camp on the field, and uh, everybody's back in school together. For class.
1: So, so it seems like it's probably a little bit more normal than I guess things were in the spring. You know, when things shut down in March, I think you guys had played about a dozen games. So you got some high school baseball and obviously didn't go to state playoffs or anything like that. What did you do to, to keep yourself ready baseball wise between when the high school season shut down and the showcase circuit started up, which is usually, I guess, early June, what did you do to, to stay in baseball shape and, and just prepare? I mean, that was you about three months to yourself,
4: right? Exactly, yeah. So right after shutdown, I was able to get some live ABs in with some of my high school baseball pitchers. Uh, so that was nice to kind of see some live. And then I was able to get five days a week working out uh, at my house with really whatever I could find around the house. So uh, doing that and then doing some infield drills and then live ABs was pretty much it for me.
1: Did you feel pretty prepared going into the showcase circuit? I mean, I know from, from the scouts I've talked to, I mean, you perform consistently well. Did you feel like you were, had done as, I mean, you actually did as much as you could, but did you feel like you were where you wanted to be when the showcase circuit began?
4: Uh, for the most part, I was. And then I guess you can never really prepare yourself for 90, mid-90s uh, live ABs, but I felt like I was prepared enough and I was able to do what I could do.
1: Well, you had, you had a really nice summer. I mean, everybody I talked to, you know, with very high reviews of, of the way you played, the scouting reports are off the charts, which is why you're the, the top-rated high school guy and, and potential number one overall pick in next year's draft. What was the highlight of the summer for you? I mean, I know you performed well at a number of events, but is there one particular event or performance that, that stood out for you?
4: I would say it was the WWBA with my summer team, my Dallas Tigers. i had been, them, been with them since uh, 9U, and we ended up getting to the quarterfinals, I believe. And we kind of lost a heartbreaker, but uh, that was definitely the best tournament for me and the most fun out with the boys.
1: Who's the best pitcher you think you faced over the summer?
4: The best pitcher, there was a pretty good uh, 2022, actually, Ian Ritchie Jr. Uh, slider was amazing. And then uh, fastball, probably Ian Ritchie, or not Ian Ritchie, uh, Carter Holden.
1: Got gotcha. you. Uh, how'd you do against those guys?
4: I walked against Carter the second time I faced him, and then I struck out the first time. Ian, I believe I struck out against him on honestly. Okay, yeah. I and mean,
1: if I if I have this credit, Carter's committed to Vanderbilt like you are too, right? He is.
4: Yes. You guys yeah. talk about that a little bit. Uh, uh, not much, but we will. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> but how much you know as a recruit? You're in your senior year, and it may be different this year because I don't know what the rules. Maybe the recruiting contact rules have changed how much contact are you in with Vanderbilt? I mean, how much are you typically in contact with the Commodores?
4: Yeah, Coach Corbin called me, I'd say, a week ago. So that was nice to kind of hear his voice and get a nice hour conversation in. And then every month or so, I'll call Coach Baxter, the recruiting coordinator. So I'd say I'm in pretty constant uh, communication.
1: Got gotcha, you. I got you. And it's like, I mean you got to feel like you're in a, in a can't lose situation. I mean, either you're going to go really high in the draft and get paid a lot of money to play professional baseball, or you get to go play at Vanderbilt, which is right up there. I mean, probably the premier program in college baseball, still the defending national champions because there was no college world series last year and a great program. So, I mean, you know, I, I sometimes talk to guys and maybe they feel some pressure, but I guess from the outside looking in, you can't lose, can you? I mean, well, whatever happens, it's going to be great either way.
4: Yes, sir. Exactly. Getting Coach Baxter, Coach Corbin—they're teaching the way they go about their business—and then also pro Bowl is also fun. So you get the best of both worlds.
1: You know, in terms of your own game, how would you break down your tools? I mean, if you were if you were scouting yourself, how would you describe yourself as a player? Do you think?
4: I definitely, some a tough out at the plate. I've, I battle. I fight. Um, and normally I have a pretty good eye, I'd say. So it's, I feel like it's hard to get me out at the plate. Uh, you'll have to come with your A game. Uh, and defense-wise, I feel like I'm not sure, I guess. <laughs> I feel like I can get to every ball. I can make every throw. So uh, I'd say it's hard to get the ball past me.
1: And how much power? How about power and speed? How would you break down your power and speed?
4: Speed definitely plays. Uh, power, I feel like when I don't try as much, when I try to hit home runs, it doesn't work. When I just let it be, let the power come. I tend to get a little bit more carried to the ball.
3: Yeah, I would
1: say that, that that's pretty accurate. From talking to scouts about you, you, Jordan, I know I know I put you on the spot there, but you know, on the twenty day yeah. scale, I think you know kind of the consensus, and it varies. Is guys would say sixty hit, you know, chance, you know, which is you know pretty good hitter, fifties average for our listeners, you know, fifty to fifty-five power. You you've gotten stronger. I mean, you're you, you still have you know you can still mature more physically, you know, sixty to seventy speed. Um, 55 to 60 arms, 60 defenders. So it's a a pretty good package there. When you look at your game, and I know when I ask guys this a lot, so I'm not going to let you take the easy answer, everybody always says I need to get better in all phases of my game. That's that's (laughs) obviously true. But if I were going to ask you, what is the one thing you think you need to work on the most or is at the top of your to-do list, what is the part of the game you're trying to work on the most right now?
4: Obviously, I feel like for me it would be more of the smaller things. Uh, there's a couple of defensive drills I've working on for the backhand and then up the middle, moving better, um, kind of reacting to the balls off the bat. And then also at the plate would be mainly probably play discipline and just picking your right pitch to hit at or to swing at.
1: Yeah, and, and again, I mean, you know, I'm sure you hear this too, but, I mean, scouts give you good good marks in that. You know, like there's sometimes guys on the showcase circuit, there's a tendency to try to impress or do too much. And guys have, yeah. you know, you, you work counts, you'll use the opposite field, you know, they, I think you're doing well in all those things, which is uh, yes, sir. With all the draft, you know, hubbub out there, how easy or difficult is it to not listen to too much of it? I mean, are you aware of all the nice things that are being said and written about you? Or, I mean, I, I doubt you can avoid it totally. But I mean, do you keep an eye on any of that stuff, or do you try not to. All the lists and the rankings and all that stuff.
4: Yeah, I don't go searching out for it, but uh, it, sometimes I'll go across it and I'll see it, and it's good to see sometimes. But I always try to keep just kind of a blinder up towards it and uh, just I know what I need to work on, and I don't want that to get in my head and uh, affect that. So I try to stay away from it if I can.
1: You know, I, you know it's funny because we talk about, like, as a writer, I hate forced comparisons, player comparisons, because mm-hmm. I don't think they work if you force them. But one comparison that a lot of people bring up with you Maybe it's natural because you're a high school shortstop from the Dallas area. You're a potential five-tool guy. It is Bobby Witt? Did you ever play against Bobby? Do you, have you have you run into Bobby? Do you know him at all? Have you heard those comparisons?
4: Yeah, I've had a couple workouts with him, uh, just one of our personal trainers around here. But other than that, I haven't done much on the field or on the diamond. So.
1: And have you? I mean, in terms of the the kind of the draft commotion. I mean, I know it's early. I mean, have you taken a peek at the draft order to see who's picking at the top or where you might fit? I mean, the Rangers are picking too. I mean, are, are you a Rangers yeah. fan growing up in, in that area? Or? Uh,
4: Yankees fan, actually. Oh, okay. well, I, I don't
1: yeah. think you're getting to the Yankees, Jordan. That might be, <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen. So, but anyway, it's, it's very possible. I mean, you could wind up staying at home to play pro ball, which would be, be pretty cool too. Do you have a favorite player? You have a, either current player, or former player. You pattern yourself after anybody?
4: Yeah, growing up, it was Derek Jeter, of course, and then on Charlton Simmons, and then uh, Correa as well. Right now,
1: yeah, those are, those are three pretty good ones. Hey, yeah. There, uh-huh. When you said Yankees, I was going to wonder if it's Jeter because I think <laughs> when I when I talk to players who play shortstop and ask them that question, you get an awful lot of Derek Jeter, like for yeah. <laughs> for, for obvious reasons. Now I know.
4: Yes. Uh-huh.
1: Um, you know, Jesuit Prep has, has a couple famous baseball alumni, Josh Bell of the, of the Pirates, who who picked number one. So theoretically. One day in the future, maybe they'd have two Jesuit Prep infielders down the road if that works out. You know, Braves prospect Kyle Muller, um, you know, left-handed pitchers probably gonna be in the big leagues pretty soon. Uh, I had not realized. I did a little Wikipedia research. I did not realize Jordan Spieth went to Jesuit Prep. Yeah. Have you uh, have you run into either of the baseball players at all, or, or even Jordan Spieth? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Have you have you run into any of those guys?
4: I've shared a couple of phone calls with Josh Bell, and then I've seen Kyle in the weight room, and I've worked out with him a little bit. Yeah.
1: And as you, you probably know, Kyle, you know, even though he, he was drafted as a pitcher and is going to be a big leader as a pitcher, I think he actually finished second in the nation in home runs. Like, he could hit when he was yeah, there. Too. He, he was a pretty yeah. good uh, pretty good uh, two-way player. So, yeah. so obviously, I mean, you're, it, it's the, the fall or, you know, Christmas break's coming up soon. Well, what does the baseball schedule look like for you going forward. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you mentioned you're working out, you're, you're doing some, some various things. When do you, when does the baseball team actually get going in terms of practice? And I think Dallas, I mean, Texas teams generally play, you, you have like some pre-season like scrimmage type deals, right? Mm-hmm. But when yes. does all that stuff start to get going?
4: The season officially starts for us the end of January, and then we'll start practicing officially then. Uh, before that, it'll just be more the, I guess, go down to the field for 30 minutes and get our work in individually. Uh, and then once the season starts, we'll have about two hour practices and we'll get into games. Uh, once district starts, it'll be Tuesday, Friday. Other than that, it'll be Thursday, Friday, Saturday tournament.
1: And are you getting much live BP now? What are you what are you doing hitting wise these days?
4: Yeah, right now uh, I'm planning on starting everything back up, uh, specifically hitting and throwing uh, mid December. Uh, so that's when I'll start getting into all that stuff.
1: And, you know, we're obviously doing this interview on on Zoom for the podcast how many zoom calls are you doing? Like that, that's like a new thing. And with the pandemic, it's like become a new thing, yeah, scouting. Like, but I mean, out of, out of 30 teams, are you doing zoom calls with, a, with the vast majority of them? What, what, what's that schedule like?
4: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I have quite a few. I think I have seven lined up in the next 10 days or so. So it's a pretty busy schedule.
1: And when they do that, like, I mean, in a normal year, and this hasn't been a normal year, you would obviously, it would be home visits and they'd want to get to meet you and your family and and sit down with you face-to-face, you know, when you do these Zoom calls, like, do they have the, your mom on there with you at all? Do they talk to her? Do you have – I mean, how many people on, a, on the calls you've done do you get from a typical team?
4: Yeah, some can range from one scout, the area scout, to up to six I think I've had. So it really varies. And then my mom, depending on the teams, sometimes she'll be asked to come on and uh, she'll sit there with me and I'll answer some questions as well.
1: What's the what's the I don't know strangest or most difficult question you've been asked by a team
4: on Zoom? Uh, honestly, that's pretty tough to say. Uh, Nobody's trying to
1: help you or put you on the spot.
4: Most of them are about myself, so I feel like it's not too hard. But I guess sometimes opening up about uh, one of the toughest times I've had would probably be that one of the most struggles in my life.
1: Got you. I got you. So, yeah. but, uh, well, it's. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a strange year. You know, it's like in a normal year, we would have had a PDP league. I, I, I feel like exactly. I would have seen you at that I would have seen you at the Under Armour game, which is in Chicago. And instead, like we, I've only been able to watch video, but it, we've heard a lot of good things. I, I, you know, obviously there's, there's time between now and the draft, but you know, it looks like you'll be very high pick. And, and if for some reason that doesn't work out you, you get to go to Vanderbilt and, you know, that's, you know, top level college baseball, obviously. So, Congratulations on getting yourself, Jordan, to where you are now, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what transpires you know, as we approach the, the July draft, and hopefully when the pandemic's over, at some point I will get to see you play in person, because I've heard so many good things about you. So keep yeah. up the good work, and, uh, and thanks for joining us.
4: Yes, sir. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you.
2: All right. Thanks very much to Jordan Lawler for joining us here on the MLB Pipeline podcast. Uh, Jim, we'll, we'll, we'll come out of your interview with a little
1: pop quiz. Uh oh. Uh huh. All right. So, Lawler. Bobby Wood Jr. Who is Bobby Wood Jr.? Uh, uh, I dive early. Surprisingly,
2: Bobby Wood Jr. Is, is not one of the okay. players. Um, <laughs> 10 players in the past eight years since we've been handing out grades on our draft list have had 60 plus hit tool. And a sixty-plus run tool. Lawler is one of them. How many of the others can you name? Jonathan, you can
1: play along as well.
0: Wow, I'm like, going to go get a sandwich.
1: I'm um, I'm drawing a blank here.
0: Um, sixty hit and sixty run. Okay, Fast not, guys that can really hit.
1: Uh, Austin Martin, maybe. But well, we might have gone fifty-five run on him. I can't remember.
0: That's the thing. Like I don't like. Was it's Brendan, not Torquel Center. Andrew Vaughn. Brendan Rodgers wasn't. Uh, wasn't a 60 run out of nope. high school.
1: Was Austin Martin? Do we get 60 run? on it, Austin It does
0: not have to be out of high school. But, no but,
1: but, but, uh, but you won't, you won't answer my Austin Martin question. You're, not Austin Martin. Okay. Well, he was probably 55 yeah. run then.
2: There was one player last year. Zach Veen. Not Zach Veen. How about Dansby Swanson? Dansby Swanson is one. There were three players in that class, 2015. Andrew Benintendi? Benintendi was another. They were the number two and eight ranked players on that list. The other was ranked lower, 42. Big leaguer. Wow. 42. Signed an extension before, I believe, before he played in the major leagues.
1: Scott Kingery? There you go. Wow. So we ranked him low too. Um, Oh, Mickey Moniac's got to be one. Nah he's not. We didn't give Mickey Moniac 60 run? Or, fi- or 60 hit?
0: Maybe it was 55 hit.
1: Wow. I mean, I guess that turned out to be true. But, like, guys were th- – there were guys throwing out sevens on him on, on the bat. Um, yeah. Uh, Man. Yeah. Um,
0: this is this is quite the how compelling. About some, how about podcast can you do some second. years just so we're not hemming and holding there? Royce Lewis? Are,
2: did we go Royce Lewis? Did not go Royce Lewis. There there are three this year. Lawler, you know. South Relic. Sal Frelic is one. Nice.
1: I don't what? think I went sixty on Colton Kowser's run, did I?
2: No, but we've we've talked about the other one already. Matt McLean? Matt oh, yes. McClain.
0: Yeah, Correct. Matt McClain. I sh- should have realized that.
2: Remember the guy from last year's class who had a, a tool package. I, I mentioned a few times when we talked about him, he had a tool package that we had really not seen before in terms of run, power, speed, fielding. Garrett last
1: oh, Garrett Mitchell.
2: The others going back to 2014 forest wall. Okay. 2000- yeah. <laughs> 2018 nick madrigal okay. 2019 corbin carroll okay all right so all of that to say jordan lawler has the hit run combination that we rarely see He's also the only one of those players to have 55 plus power so this is a, this is an impressive package of tools we're talking about
1: and he can play shortstop too right yeah, well, I mean, that's why, I mean, this guy is a potential number one overall pick. You know, it's, you know, the, the thing people say about him too is like everybody loves the makeup. I, I think some of that probably came out in the interview. I mean, just it's, and again, I mean, Jonathan, you and I talk about this all the time. <laughs> like old man Callis and old man Mayo, today's high school player is much more comfortable dealing with the media than they were 20 years ago. Um, and, you know, they're, they're just, you know, very, very easy interview, fun to talk to him. And, and speaking of guys who were fun to talk to back in September, we interviewed Kumar Rocker for the podcast, and we talked to him on a number of subjects, and I believe we're going to have a little snippet here, not the not the full interview, but to give you a little flavor of the number one prospect on our Draft 100. I, I believe the, the first question we're going to have here with Kumar is talking about his dad, Tracy, who I, I remember as an All-American defensive lineman at Auburn who played in the NFL, and I asked Kumar if he'd ever considered football. He's clearly made the right decision to go with baseball.
3: Um, yeah, I did consider football. I played into my sophomore year, and I, I really enjoyed it, of course. Um, but my family that they didn't they weren't going to push me to a certain sport, so I chose baseball, and hopefully, it works out for me.
1: Well, it, it seems like it will. And you know you you obviously went through the draft process once before. I mean, I, I think the way it played out, people knew you were going to go to Vanderbilt, so you didn't get drafted where your talent would have dictated. You were a potential first round pick out of high school. You know how much. How easy or how difficult is it to kind of keep the draft stuff aside? I mean, I'm sure you've heard, I mean, probably since going back to, well, I think even when you got to college, there were people projecting you might be the number one overall pick. And then you have the 19 strikeout no-hitter in the College World Series. And, and you know, they continues to build. Is it easy to ignore that? Is it is it going to be easier to deal with that kind of discussion this time around after, you know, being a highly touted draft guy already once in your career before?
3: Um Easy to ignore it, um, I think, the second time through it is because I think the draft process for me in high school started a little bit earlier, and I kind of got a grasp on it, say junior, senior year. I could have done a little bit of things differently, and then coming to college, I feel like I get to redo it all with the knowledge that I do know from high school. And, yeah, I think I think I kept it in my ear since I've been here for sure.
1: How uh, How tough of a decision was it you know, to, to vanderbilt over pro ball Now, obviously with the way the draft played out you made a decision you know signability wasn't going to line up because i think you went in the 30th round so obviously you weren't going <laughs> to sign in the 30th round but how tough you know of a decision was it because i mean obviously you could have been paid a lot of money to play pro ball but at the same time you got you get to go to what is you know probably the premier program in college baseball and i mean you're part of it now so you know this but i mean anybody who's ever played for Vanderbilt has so much pride in the program. When you guys go to the college world series, you know, big leaguers fly in if it's an off day to to take it in. I mean, you know, what was that decision-making process like for you?
3: Um, I think the biggest thing was being around that group of friends that did go out of high school and seeing them, but having opportunity to come make like another, a new team. And I, I enjoy the team environment, et cetera. And it really wasn't a hard decision for me, honestly. But I do take pride in Vanderbilt. As of now, it's just being my third year.
1: How much have you interacted with, with former Vanderbilt players and guys who've gone into big leagues? Like I, my understanding is, there's, there's like they, a lot of guys have lockers there, right? Like the David Prices of the world. Yeah. And, and it seems like they, they, a lot of guys live around Nashville or, or at least visit Nashville. Have you been able to pick the brains of guys, you know, like a David Price or or other Vanderbilt pitchers who've come back?
3: Right. And those guys, they're around a lot and they don't act any certain type of way. They just act like normal people. They just enjoy being around us. Uh, People like Sonny Gray, Walker Bueller. Yeah, they're always around to talk. And um, yeah, it's always nice.
1: How much better do you think you've gotten as a pitcher in your two years at Vanderbilt from where you were coming out of high school to where you are now?
3: Uh, I can't really put like a number on or anything like that, but I think I've, from natural improvement to just my mental side of the game, I think I've improved incredibly.
1: Have you ever had better stuff than the day you had the 19 strikeout no-hitter? I mean, did you know early on that, like, like this, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, maybe not 9 not I'm going to throw a 19 strikeout no-hitter. But did you realize that you know something good was about to happen when you were warming up or early in that game?
3: Uh, I think the environment and the team that we were playing and my teammates around me allowed me to throw the 19 uh, no-hitter. But yeah, I think there's better days. I've had better stuff for sure.
1: Better slider? Because we're all 19 strikeouts on the slider. Do I remember that correctly?
3: Uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so how, how would you – I like to ask guys to break down the repertoire. How would you How would you break down what you throw and how good it is and what, what you may or may not need to improve with it right now?
3: Um, fastball, I think the biggest thing is command, obviously. And then for my slider is to keep that keep that where it's at, honestly. And then my changeup um, throughout the summer and then even these bullpens coming up, I think if it's improved a lot, I can throw consistently for sure. And then I'm working on a cutter. And I'd say it's fastball slider mainly, but the changeup's definitely there. I'm excited to break that out. And then the cutter's coming along too.
1: What do you think's the better pitch, your fastball or your slider in general?
3: Um, probably say my fastball. Yeah, I think and, and, I, I don't I don't use it enough for people to sit there and be sitting on it, etc.
1: Right. And I was going to yeah. say, you know, for the changeup, you know it's interesting because I mean you, you, you. I hear this all the time when I talk to people. You know I'm sure in high school you probably didn't need much of a changeup. You're almost doing guys a favor if you're throwing a changeup instead of a 95 mile an hour yeah. fastball or whatever. High school guys are like thank you. I might be able to foul this one off. But you know and even in, in college, I mean you know you can overpower guys. Is it kind of a how hard is it to balance? Look, I I know for my development I need to work on a changeup. You know and they're going to call some changeups as opposed to it's my third best pitch and I might be doing guys a favor if I'm throwing too many change-ups. I mean, how many change-ups do you throw in a typical game?
3: Uh, I'd say probably um five to eight. And I throw it in a timely manner. Usually when I'm ahead of the count, but this year I think I'll be able to break it on any type of count. What kind
1: of change-up is it? Is it a circle change or is there any particular grip? Uh, a
3: circle change on the opposite side of the two seams. So gotcha. Good.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Um And then, you know, so we we talked briefly about the the 19th strikeout no-hitter, which came in an elimination game. You guys, you know, had to win that to to get and another game to get on to Omaha. And then in Omaha, you wound up, you know, being most outstanding player. Uh, You won another elimination game in the finals against Michigan. I mean, looking back, could your freshman year have gone much better than it did? I mean, I'm sure when you go to Vanderbilt, you dream, oh, it'd be great. You know, we're going to have the opportunity to probably play in a college World Series. And, I mean, you kind of did everything you could do as a freshman, you know, didn't you, your first year?
3: Right. I mean, freshman year was fun. And um, I think the reason all that happened was because I was simply a freshman. I was just sitting there trying to honestly make the older kids happy, trying to make my team happy, trying to win for them. And then all that came along with it.
2: And our thanks to Kumar Rocker for joining us. That interview was uh, back in September, Uh, but thanks very much to him. And uh, Jonathan, we've heard Jim talk about Kumar uh, quite a bit already your thoughts on the number one overall prospect on our top 100 draft prospects list.
0: I think the, the the biggest thing we need to see in the spring is if he can take a step forward on the, on with some of those question marks, mostly, you know, with the changeup and the command and the command is the, is the big thing. Cause I think in a lot of ways, he's still the guy I remember seeing in, in high school uh, at USA baseball's complex, uh, we just completely dominate with his power repertoire, the fastball, the slider. I mean, I think you know, the slider has gotten better. He's shown that he can do it at the highest level of college baseball that he, that it's possible to compete at. So that's obviously something uh, you know that's that's important. But you know that that was as a freshman. We didn't really see much as a sophomore. So I, I think you know the reason we put him number one. One because the the industry sort of generally has has the scouting industry has put him there, uh, you know. I think if he goes out and takes a step forward, then he could run away, run away and hide. Uh, and that's taking nothing away from Jordan Lawler, uh, you know. But I think it, it may end, you know, it could end up being uh, an Adley Rushman versus Bobby Witt kind of situation, um, you know, where it's clear that Rushman's going to be the number one guy, even though no one would. You know, fault the Orioles had they decided to take Bobby Witt. It just you know, based on where things are. So I'm curious to see if he has that step forward in him, and then that will make him much more of a clear-cut uh, top guy. But especially being here in Pittsburgh, I do feel like I'm constantly saying, you know, don't don't make him the the, the slam dunk you're trying to make him. And I feel badly because he's immensely talented. It just it's not as clear-cut as people want to make it out to seem. And
2: Vanderbilt, that program just keeps churning out elite draft prospects. They've had a top five ranked player on our list. How many years in a row? Three years in a row. And four of the past five. uh, Interestingly, the the one year in the past five when they didn't have anyone in the top five, they didn't have anyone in the top 150, interestingly. Uh, But... Going back to 2014, they've they've had a player in the top 20 every year, dating back to 2014, except for that one exception in 2018.
1: Huh. Well, I mean, they keep it rolling. I mean, they, you know, they got Jack. If I mean, Jack Lighter is number six on the list, um, so he didn't miss. You know, they didn't miss having two top five guys
0: this year by too much, and and it might be two top five, you know, by springtime.
1: And they might have a third for, I mean, if Isaiah Thomas continues to play like he did in the fall, Isaiah Thomas is probably going to go in the first round. Like, I mean, he's got to prove that his bat is that consistent, but I mean, he he had a great, he was more impressive than either Kumar Rocker or Jack Leiter was in the fall. You know, he's an outfielder of their pitchers, but I mean, they could have three first rounders this year. And I don't think he'll get there, but Jordan Lawler's committed to Vanderbilt, and I don't have the breakdown of, who, of everybody who's committed to Vanderbilt, but they have a number of of commitments on our list this year.
2: Yeah, Jonathan, I thought a, a couple good tidbits you have in your story that's up on the site now. Rocker and Lighter, first college duo to land in the top ten since Brady Singer. Now with the Royals, and Jonathan India now with the Reds, represented Florida in our 2018 rankings. And the last time two pitchers from the same college staff appeared in the top 10 it was back in 2011. Uh, a couple guys you might've heard of named Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer.
0: Who? Yeah. And I remember that being like, you know, people uh, were very excited about that. And Garrett Cole was the, the slam dunk number one pick and, and, you know, Bauer went not far after, after him. And you know, they were the Friday, Saturday tandem for that very very good bruins team the uh vanderbilt program not the
2: best represented program on our list this year uh that distinction has an interesting uh twist to it this year you're listening to the mlb pipeline podcast when we come back we're going to look at the schools that are best represented on the list we'll also break down the best tools on the list
5: This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's goforward.com. forward.com
2: You're listening to the MLB pipeline podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Jim and Jonathan have been very busy putting together the top 100 draft prospects list over the past several weeks, months, I dare say, uh, that list is now up on MLB.com and MLB.com slash pipeline. Go check it out. Um, Guys, let's talk about the schools that are best represented on this list. Do you know which one? First of all, do you know which schools are best represented on the list?
1: I think so because we talked about it a week (laughs) ago. So I will say yes. I believe we do know.
2: All right. And the the kind of interesting thing about it is I, I didn't go back and check this out, but I have to think that IMG Academy with four players on the list maybe the first time we've ever had a non-college program with the most players on the top 100 list. Does that seem right? It
1: it does. I almost wonder, I mean, you know, basically because they can recruit and draw players from all over the country, if they might have contended for that in the past. But, yeah, I mean, it's it, – it usually uh, yeah. you would think it would be a, a Vanderbilt or a Florida or whoever, and, and this year it's IMG Academy. IMG I'm just,
0: and yeah. uh, Louisville as well with four. This is just the top one hundred. You know, there's some, some more IMG guys who would probably be in the one oh one to two hundred range. So be interested to see if they retain that title when we start to expand the list in the spring.
2: So it's IMG and Louisville with four each. Programs with three players on the top one hundred include Vanderbilt, which we just discussed, UCLA, Mississippi State, and Boston College, interestingly. And then there are one, two, three, four, five teams with two players each, Calvary Christian from Florida, uh, Florida, J. Sarah Catholic, California, North Carolina State, and Texas. And guys, there are a few interesting teams among those. We talked a little bit about IMG. I don't know if you want to get into some of the particular players from IMG, but Boston College coming in with three is interesting. And Jonathan, I know there's also a high school player from Massachusetts as well, well, giving Massachusetts four players on this list.
0: Yeah, and we, you know, you and I talked about this, uh, you know, a little while ago. I, I I don't think I even have to do research. I'm fairly certain we've never had four players from Massachusetts on the top 100. I'm not sure we've ever had four players from New England on on the top 100. Uh, You know, I'm thinking maybe, you know, when. What, George Springer and Matt Barnes were at UConn. If there was one or two others, but I, you know, it's highly unlikely. So it, it starts with the you know the the trio of players at uh, at Boston College. Uh, we mentioned Sal Frelick, uh, the outfielder. Uh, Cody Marisette, uh is a, an infielder. Uh, you like him even more if you think he can play shortstop. Though he moves around a lot, so that might help his his value as well. And then Mason Pelio is their is, is their top pitcher with a lot of arm strength. So they have three guys right there. And then the high schooler is, is Josh Baez, uh, who we wrote quite a bit about on the, on the summer showcase circuit. There, there may not be another player in the entire draft class with more raw power. Uh, You know, it's just a question of whether or not he can tame down his swing uh, enough to get to that power. I think he, he's going to be able to, he's pretty athletic plays center field. Now probably is an outfield corner. He's got a, absolute hose of an arm too it's 93 off the mound uh so he could fit that sort of power hitting athletic right fielder type of profile really really well um yeah so uh the the fact that he's in new england you know normally scouts it will take longer to to go up and see him Uh, with the later draft that might work in his favor uh you know i don't think anyone's gonna be going up there you know early anyway so uh, he's the fourth guy who actually is one of those high school players uh who is committed to to go to vanderbilt uh along with uh with some some others but vanderbilt always does a very good job in the northeast to attract talented players to come to their program
1: yeah i've got a pop quiz for jonathan i'm gonna interject jonathan 2018 no you had three massachusetts high school players that you wrote up for the top 200, none of whom committed to BC. Who were those three players?
0: 2018. So they're all juniors now. They're all juniors in college now. Two
1: of them are on the current top 100. And the most famous of them is not on the current top 100, but was considered. Oh, man.
0: Like I'm, The problem <laughs> is, like, I'm terrible at this. My, like, I have zero, zero institutional members. Would you
1: like me to answer the question then? I,
0: I, is there a way you can give me a hint?
1: Okay, well, well okay, you have one guy is at an ACC school, potential first-round pick, took himself out of the 2018 draft, if I remember correctly.
0: Mike Vassell?
1: Correct. He was number one prospect in Massachusetts at the time, number two prospect, was 40th-round pick by the Reds, He is also at an ACC school and is also a right-handed pitcher. Yeah, I got nothing. It's Ryan Cusick of Wake Forest. Oh, right. And then then the number three prospect in Massachusetts, who you also wrote up, was a 21st round pick by the Brewers, who is at a Big Ten school and would have been part of a College World Series runner-up team had he not blown out his knee right before his freshman season should have started.
0: I should know all of this, but I don't. Okay, that,
1: is, that is Michigan lefty Steve Hadger. Credible Massachusetts yeah. class. South Frelick wasn't as highly regarded probably because he wasn't physical. H. Sean, but you also, Sean was,
0: Burke from Maryland. Yep. From and, Massachusetts.
1: And Dominic Keegan, who's got some interesting power at Vanderbilt also. So okay. a crazy good Massachusetts high school class three years ago um, that produced South Frelick as part of that BC contingent three years later.
0: I failed the pop quiz.
1: I'm sorry. You get
0: an as usual.
1: You get a 33% because you came up with Mike Vassal
0: with a hint. (laughs) Terrible.
2: All right, Jim, some of the teams on that list, uh, among the teams on the list of the schools with the most players on the top 100, I know uh, Mississippi state is of particular intrigue to you. You, you said that between Mississippi and Ohio, there are five college pitchers in each state that you think could go in the top three rounds.
1: Yeah. And it was, it was interesting. You know, Mississippi, the conundrum for me was you have three pitchers in Mississippi state and two at Ole miss. And you could probably put those guys in just about any order you want. Mississippi state's whole rotation is, is going to get drafted. They they all had potential first round upside. You've got Christian McLeod, who's, a pitchability lefty who's got a really good curveball. He gets some Reed Detmer's connect, uh, comparisons. Uh, you've got Will Bednar, who has, uh, you know, he's got better stuff than McCloud, maybe not as much pitchability. He's a younger brother of Padres reliever David Bednar, a Pittsburgh area guy for you, Jonathan. Thank you. And he's a draft eligible. Well, I don't know if he's technically a sophomore. I don't know what we're calling these guys. He's in his second year of college and he's draft eligible since everybody got an extra year of eligibility, uh, of NCAA eligibility. But he'll be 21, so he'll be eligible for this year's draft. Um, you know, he's, he's 93, 97. He's got two pretty interesting breaking balls. He's only pitched 15 and third innings in college. And then you have Eric Sarantola, who's a Canadian, who probably showed better pure stuff than anybody Anywhere in this fall, he was up to 98 with his fastball. He had 3,300 RPMs on his curveball, which was up to 87, which is both the velocity and the RPMs are insane. Um, he's got to show he can maintain that stuff and throw strikes with it. It's kind of a Dakota Hudson path where. Dakota Hudson didn't pitch well, pitch much for two years, and then he rocketed into the first round. Sarantola could do that, and then at will Miss you have you have Gunnar Hogland, who you know could go higher than any of those guys theoretically. Some guys tell you he's better than all of them. Some guys will tell you he's the fourth best pitcher. He was a supplemental first round pick out of high school by the Pirates, who's probably going to go in the same same area of the draft. His stuff ticked up this fall, and then you've got Doug Nacasi, who's a who's a pitchability lefty who who's probably more of a third round pick he didn't make the top 100 but he had some support so it's it it was hard sorting those guys out and you know like it's kind of expected and you look I mean telling you guys hey the sec teams have good pitching prospects I mean okay what else is new but Ohio is crazy deep with pitching this year too you've got Sam Bachman at, at Miami of Ohio who had just ridiculous stuff this summer in a, in a Grant Park summer league, and then this fall he was up to 100 miles an hour with the fastball, had a fastball, a mid 80s slider that was a plus pitch. Um, he's got a deceptive changeup that's a solid third offering. So I mean, he could sneak into the first round. So he's one. You've got one of my favorite guys in the draft. Joe Rock also won the best name. You gotta love a pitcher named Joe Rock. He can throw the rock. But uh, he didn't even pitch last year because he was academically ineligible. He pitched in a I think he's another Pittsburgh area guy for you, Jonathan. He pitched in a in a Pittsburgh area summer league. And then this fall, guys were comparing the body to Mark Mulder. He was 93, 96. He had a, a hard slurve with curveball depth, showed feel for a changeup, threw a lot more strikes. So he was super interesting. Then you've got Seth Lonsway from Ohio State, who's part of last year's draft, led the NCAA Division One with 21 strikeouts per nine innings last year. He's got one of the very best curveballs in the draft. He's back. Kent State's got a right-hander named Luke Albright, who, you know, Kent State, a very underrated pitching factory that keeps producing top five picks and big leaguers. And he's kind of your, your, your solid pitchability righty, you know, average to solid stuff across the board. Some guys like him. And then the fifth guy, another Ohio State guy, as a kid named TJ Brock who didn't pitch a lot previously. And I think he was not in fall practice because of COVID protocols, but he worked out at a local high school and he was hitting 99 miles an hour out of nowhere. So um, Ohio could have, if TJ Brock keeps that stuff up, you've got five pitchers in Ohio who could go in the top two or three rounds, which is highly unusual.
2: Okay. We talked a lot about the guys at the top of the list. We've taken a look at uh, a few teams, the crop of players they have on on this list. Jim and Jonathan, why don't you tell us a little bit about your favorite guys that you think will go outside of the first round, maybe a a player or two each?
0: Well, so I'm going to sort of couch this with the the guy that I'm going to pick. If he ended up going in the back end of the first round, fine. You know, like it could happen, but he's at 76 right now. Is that, is that acceptable? Sure. Will the judges accept that? Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with uh, Thatcher Hurd. Um, he was a high school pitcher from Miracosta high school in California was in Northern California uh, and just moved South uh, really interesting because he is pure athleticism and projection. He's six, 200 pounds and change. Uh, was a, was a catcher. In fact, had committed to Santa Barbara as a catcher, just started pitching uh, and decommitted and is now committed to UCLA as a, as a pitcher only. The thing that's amazing is that despite his lack of experience, uh, he's got a really, really good feel for, for pitching. Uh, you know, the fastballs at average ish now up to 93, but there's going to be a lot more. He commands the fastball. Well, uh, his breaking stuff has already gotten a lot better now that he's focusing on it. he has got a really good feel uh, to, to spin. Um, he's shown a you know good feel for his changeup as well. Uh, you know, the, the lack of rawness with the fresh arm and the projectable frame uh, make him really, really exciting. So, he's the kind of guy I've had circled and a lot of uh, a lot of teams uh, have circled that he is going to move up this board in a hurry. If he comes out in the spring and has taken a step forward physically, uh, he's throwing a bit harder and has that same feel for, for pitching for a guy who, you know, has not pitched all that much. So he's, he, he's the guy with the, the circle and the up arrow next to his name uh, among my guys.
1: Yeah, I might have gone with Joe Rock, but since I just talked about him, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with Cameron Colley, who's number ninety three on our list. He's a shortstop from uh, Barbers Hill High School in Texas, and I I don't necessarily think he's gonna jump all the way into the first round like like Thatcher Hurd might, but um just really like this guy. You know, like, I I like <laughs> not that this is like a, a big pronouncement, but like guys you can hit tend to go places, and this guy can really hit. He's he's listed at five foot eleven. He might be closer to five foot nine. But, you know, just talking to scouts, he, he plays with a lot of swagger. I'm not saying he's going to be this guy, but, like, the, the swagger, it's like Dustin Pedroia swagger. Um, and, you know, this guy's hit all over the showcase circuit. He's great at bats, controls the strike zone, uses his entire field, swings hard, he's got bat speed, some deceptive strength, so he, he's not going to be just a little slappy guy. Like, I, I think this could be, you know, 15-plus homers out of him, can really, really run, very aggressive on the bases, you know, good instincts and actions at shortstop you wish the arm was maybe a little bit stronger, but I think he can stay it short. If he can't, he can play second or center field. He he profiled there very easily. And I just really think this kid's going to hit. And and I think there's some surprising pop in there. He's going to be an on base machine. I think he's going to be a really good player. He's committed to Texas tech. If he doesn't sign, if signability becomes an issue where he doesn't go high enough, I could easily see this guy making an impact as a freshman at Texas tech in 2022 feels weird talking about the 2022 college season already, but, Really do like Cameron Colley. All
2: right, let's break down the list a little bit further. Uh, Quickly, a breakdown by position and uh, college versus high school. There are 46 college players on the list, 54 high school players. There are, as usual, more right-handed pitchers on the list than any other position. There are 33, 13 left-handed pitchers. There are 24 outfielders, 12 shortstops, 10 catchers, seven third baseman and one second baseman. Now let's, uh, let's break the list down by the top tools. Um, we can, we can take a look at each tool, hit, power, run, arm, and field for the hitters and the pitches uh, for the pitchers, fastball, curveball, slider, change up control. But I guess before we do that, my first question for you guys, is there a single tool among this year's draft class that stands out to you as the very
1: best interesting yeah i'm gonna say no there, there's some 65s and 70s but there's not like i'm thinking of like max meyer slider from last year or just and i don't remember what our final grades were on torkelson special torkelson for the hit and the power i i don't think i mean there, there are a lot of good tools I, I don't think there's like there's not that 80 fastball or I, I, I'm going to say no. I, I think there's a lot of good tools, but I don't think there's one tool that I I look at and just I'm like, wow, that's an unbelievable tool that stands out in this whole class.
0: I, I want to disagree just for the sake of good podcasting, but I think that's right. You know, there there isn't that runaway um you know, like Seth Lonsway has the best curveball. He's the only one with a sixty five, but it's not like he's at an eighty and some you know, and everyone else is at a sixty or fifty five. There's not that much separating uh the the best curveballs in the class. So I I don't A
1: lot of guys tied too. There there's a lot of guys tied. There, right. Yeah, I just don't, there's not a clear number one with each like we have 470 runners and 270 <clears throat> arms and 270 fastballs but there's not one guy like even kumar rocker slider jackson job's got a great slider too so right. you could sit there i mean rocker's proven a higher level but you could argue hey <laughs> like jackson job might have a better slider if i had to if i had to pick one of them so you can't just say Kumar's slider stands out now That's if you saw kumar slider strike it out 19 against duke that would be the signature tool of to the draft. If he brought that every time, right. that, that would probably be the signature tool.
0: For I think, you know, the only thing that I would point to is we, we have three, three guys. yeah, th- With 60 power, all of whom had some swing and miss concerns. Uh, you know, I, I think if Judd Fabian of Florida, I'm sorry, four guys um, with 60 power tools, Judd Fabian, and then three high school guys in Brady house, Isaac Pacheco and, and Josh Baez, I, if Fabian comes out and shows a better ability to make contact, he could separate himself with the power tool because, because, you know, he'd be showing it at a much higher level in college. Uh, he'd be answering questions about swing and miss that had to sort of move him down a little bit from where I think we thought he was going to to be. Uh, that's the one, but I, by the same token, I think if any of the high schoolers came out and started showing less swing and miss, they, they could separate themselves. But I think if Fabian does it while playing for Florida, uh, then he could separate himself uh, a little bit more. You know who, who probably has the, the biggest lead over the field in his
1: individual category it, it probably, I mean, and this isn't like a sexy tool. It's probably Kansas State lefty Jordan Wicks's changeup. I mean, their, their guys will easily put a seventy on it. I, I went sixty-five. I didn't want to go too crazy, but it's an unbelievable changeup. It's low eighties. It's tumble. It's depth. It's the it's the you know deceptive fastball arm speed. He can command it wherever he wants. So like, I, I think his changeup may outdistance the pack more than anybody else's tool does right now on the top 100 but i can't say that when i think about like what's the dominant tool i think of in a draft that i think is somebody's change up but, but wicks is really interesting and it's not a great year for lefties and, and to me he's pretty clearly the best lefty out there a- as of right now
2: and to put that in context uh that's only the third 65 65- grade changeup that we've given out dating back to 2014 among top 100 draft prospects.
1: Did Ryan Pepio have a 65 change up? Or do cool. we only go 60? You can't tell us who had the 65 but, changeups. Well,
2: I can, but you're going to have to you're going to have to give, give me a minute. Okay. Why don't you <laughs> t- tell us t- tell us about tell us about uh, another tool while I uh, while I look up the the I previous think the, 65 you know, changeups. The only
0: the only other tool I think that sort of stands out would be the arm, and it's you know it's always an interesting thing because you're trying to you know we have one high school outfielder in Josh Baez and one college catcher in Henry Davis. Um, like I don't you know it, it's different kinds of arms, but both got 70s. Um you know i I, I guess you could argue you know that uh, a, a catcher with a 70 arm has a lot more value than an outfielder with a 70 arm, uh, just because of what that can mean in terms of you know, controlling a running game and, and things of that nature. Uh, but and I, and I can't say that I looked to see. If we had, I don't know if we had any sixty-five arms. Like, where there others close? Well,
1: it, you know, it looks like Jonathan. I, I'll give you. You may know this because we've just talked about. It. And there's only, I think, two players, both of them position players, who at least tied for the top tool in, in any category. So there's there's two position players who are at least tied for the highest tool grade in two separate categories. Do you know? Do you know who they are?
0: Well. You have bias for arm and power, right? And then I want think to home say home
1: state think to think think home state
0: for you. Home, oh, oh, so it's so Lon. Well, no, Lonnie White. It was Lonnie White run running field.
1: Go, go, no, go higher on the list. You, you got the right categories run running field, but it's not Lonnie White. You well, think, it is.
0: It is. By the way, Lonnie White and Benny Montgomery are both seventies and sixties run running field. And both Pennsylvania. Well, there
1: professors. you go. Well, the I, I so I, my my quiz, the teacher now. Yes. With
0: a poor You're question. Learning from your students.
1: You you you, you get 150 on that. uh <laughs> makes well, up that for pop my, quiz. I
0: needed the extra credit <laughs> after the last one.
1: So so now with 150 and a 33, you've actually I think pulled your grade up to an A. Doesn't that average out to like a 91.5? Don't ask me to do math on top of remembering things. Come on. So there you go. So you, 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 with that performance there, you now have an A minus in your pop quizzes today.
2: Going back to your question on uh, previous sixty five grade change ups, the two others belong to Ben Hernandez
1: last year. Oh yes, so I struck out three guys in the Under Armour game with change ups. There you go. And
2: two thousand eighteen left hander out of Texas Tech.
1: Oh, he got it was it got hurt. Right? Is it the guy I'm thinking of who got hurt? It's um. I can't think of his name. He, it's uh, it. I'm the Cardinals drafted him, right? Didn't the Cardinals draft him?
2: I'm he was the 69th ranked player on the list.
1: I think he was injured, though. I don't think he pitched much. Um, and I, the name's escaping me, but I, I want to say the Cardinals drafted him. Steven Ginger. That's exactly who. I knew there was a Y in his name. I kept thinking Kingery, and I knew that wasn't right. But didn't the Cardinals draft him? I don't know. Cardinals drafted him fourth
0: round. There you go. So. You do. You do. Get, for a second, I was being relieved that you couldn't remember a guy, and then you remembered the guy.
1: I, and I remembered he was hurt. I just couldn't think. I I knew I had Kingry on my brain. Can't and it, remember
0: his last name. He re, he knows what his favorite pre-start meal is, but yes,
1: uh, chicken alfredo.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So as far as the uh, the top run grades, you guys just talked about a couple of burners and Benny Montgomery and Lonnie White, but looks like this year is the first time since 2016 that we don't have a runner graded at 75 or 80. So it sounds like there's, there's just not that, uh, that absolute game changing 80 grade speed for anybody this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think these guys can flash it. Like I I think the three guys with seventies are are Jonathan's and and Will Taylor's mind and Will Taylor can, can flash you 80 speed, but he shows you more 70. There just hasn't been that consistent guy who's going out and, you know, running six threes or you know four one to first base or something.
0: Yeah, I think that I mean there's been some like they'll show an eighty run time in one thing, but not the next. Most of them like a guy like Benny Montgomery uh, and even Lonnie White, who you know who has a chance to play football, Division one football. Uh, you know, it, it's more of that gliding and not the explosive speed, so it's not the combination. Michael Robertson is my third guy, and I did have an area scout kind of compare him to Enrique Bradfield, who was an eighty runner uh but just not consistently the eighty runner that that bradfield showed uh you know leading uh you know leading up to last year's draft and um uh, I, I keep saying last year's technically this year's the most recently completed draft but um yeah so that none of them you know the of those three that i gave seventies to were consistent eighties uh to to hang hang anything higher than a seventy
2: All right, Jonathan's story on uh, breaking down the top 100 draft prospects list is currently up on MLB.com. You can find it there. It breaks down all of the top tools on the list. We're going to wrap up this week's MLB Pipeline podcast by answering a couple of questions, a couple of draft-related questions, of course. The first is a pretty simple question from at LPNYC84. He tweeted this, What's your take on outfielder James Wood? He's very tall.
0: That's my take. Um, You know, he is fascinating uh, because he was a guy at the start of the summer. We hadn't heard much about, and he kind of broke out of the gate and the showcase circuits as one of the, if not the best performer at a couple of different events Uh, for a guy who was thought to be kind of raw uh, especially at the plate, he was making a ton of hard contact. There's ridiculous raw power. Uh, there's going to be more power to come. He was running well. He was, f- you know, playing good center field defense. And then by the second half of the showcase circuit, he sort of tailed off. The swing and miss started to to show up. Uh, I don't know if he was trying to do too much or he was trying to show off the power too much. But you know, depending on when you saw him, you got much different reports. On him, Uh, you know, he he looked kind of like a top of the first round kind of guy early. And then, you know, there were guys who saw him late who were like, you know, I wouldn't put him in the first round. So I I think he's going to and he's one of the IMG Academy guys. So he's going to face good competition, even if they're only playing intra squads. And uh, he's going to have to go and show that the first half of the summer, James Wood is the real James Wood. Uh, you know, in, in terms of where he's going to go in the draft, I, you know, for me, for if, if a guy shows the ability to hit you know, against good competition, it's in there. He just is going to need to work on his on his overall approach and tone down his swing uh, and things of, of that nature. Uh, so he's a little enigmatic, even though, you know, he's enigmatic among the high end of, of players in the class.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was, that was well said, Jonathan. I mean, I, I got to say, I mean, you talked to more people about him you know, I talked to, to, to a bunch of people about him at the area Code games. And then again, when we were trying to you know, finish out, figure out you know, who won't wear on the list, you know, for feedback and, you know, he's, he's a first rounder if he hits and he might be a third rounder or, you know, wind up going to Mississippi state. If he doesn't, um, you know, a lot to like there, you know, big league body, a lot of tools, but he's got to show it with the bat
2: Jonathan you said he's tall Jim you said big league body did we did we say just how tall he is six foot six, six
1: six yeah six six two thirty I mean he if you if you put him in a big league uniform and had him taking batting practice like with the Yankees or whoever he would not look out of place
2: all right question number two comes from Jay Markle at the better Markle
1: are we sure he's the better Markle
2: I don't know who he's being compared to so i can't say okay if khalil watson shows out over the course of this draft cycle how high could he rise in this draft class he's at number 15 already
1: yeah we were you know uh, on both these guys jonathan with wood and watson i think we were not necessarily aggressive i think we have have them pretty close to their peak like they both could go in the top 10 but we 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 did not uh hedge on either of those guys very much and khalil watson has got a lot of tools. You know, he's he's five, nine, 178 but he's got you know you know a plus bat speed takes a huge cut, so he's got at least solid raw power. Um, you know, it's an aggressive approach, but he does make contact. He doesn't chase too often. So I mean, maybe this is a guy who hits two seventy five with twenty plus homers a year. He can really run. He can play shortstop. I don't think there's any questions about him. You know, moving off the position. I mean, he has the athleticism and the arm to play all over the place. Um, so if he comes out and plays well, like he could go even a little bit higher than 15. He, he could go in the top 10. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a tooled up shortstop who can hit, which is a pretty nice profile. I mean, if you if you compare him to Jordan Lawler, I think you feel a little bit better about Jordan Lawler's bat because it's, it's a more controlled approach. Um, and I think Jordan Lawler's a little bit better shortstop. But, you know, the tools aren't, aren't too different than, than Jordan Lawler's.
0: Yeah. And if you have Marcelo Mayer as the second shortstop, I I think Watson could sort of move up into that conversation among them, even if you still would take Lawler and Mayer ahead of him. Uh, You know, you could see three high school shortstops going in the top 10, I think, if uh, uh, if it, you know, if if it clicks for him in in the spring. And I'm guessing that uh, the Twitter handle was a swipe at the Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle. Wow. I, I can't look at think you. Of look him. at you
1: like bringing the Royals into the Yeah. Uh, well, you know? I,
0: I, well, I can't think of another Markle.
1: What are, who are your top three Markle? He means then?
0: Fred, Fred, does Fred Merkel count?
1: I, I don't think That's it's that one. one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if he's the better Markle, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have top three I, there, I know of one other Markle.
1: I, I think I'm going to send an inbox question to you for this week, asking you to rank the top five well
0: and I Markles. think and you know what for if since we're sort of sort of talking draft speak, I think Jay Markle's gotta come out in the spring and show that he's better than Meghan Markle. I don't I don't buy it yet. Well, since you're finished with the top one hundred draft prospects
2: list, now you can start working on the top five Markles list. I'll get right on that. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Look for the Pipeline Podcast every week on MLB.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts.